In my grocery store, and I'm guessing it looks a lot like the one you head into, you head to the back corner to find the milk. Of course, that's on purpose. Scatter staples in different parts of the store, and that way you might happen across an extra item or two while you shop. But more in the middle of the store is a couple of aisles dedicated to organic, including another cooler with milk. Not as much, but more expensive milk. In fact, organic 2% costs almost twice as much as regular 2% in my grocery store, and a look across the country, that's a pretty common pattern. So why does something that looks the same in your glass have two very different price tags? I'm Andrew Campbell, and today on Food Bubble, we figure out just why organic milk costs more money. In fact, a lot of organic products cost more, and likely a few of the reasons we talk about today are probably true for other food products. With a focus being milk, though, we're going to start right at the cow, and with a farmer doing the milking, and head through the chain to your grocery cart and figure out just why the price tag is so different. Trillium Mutual Insurance is your ag insurer of choice in Ontario. They're farm insurance professionals who specialize in and understand Ontario agriculture, providing insurance solutions that are the best in the industry. We all know that insurance can be complicated, but does it have to be? Their real Ontario farm insurance brokers make it simple for you, providing the coverage you deserve. To find a broker partner near you, please visit their website, trilliummutual.com, and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium mutual. Who really cares about what you eat? You do. And these 200 plus food experts. Bestfoodfacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. With over 500 questions answered and new content weekly, it's a dependable source available across all social channels. Get the details you want from credible people who've dedicated their entire careers to the study of food. You care about what you eat, so take time to digest the facts. Visit bestfoodfacts.org today. Milk, as we know, starts at the cow, and so today's story is going to start there too. I am Jelaine Trur, and my husband and I um, have an organic dairy farm in British Columbia. Uh, we've been farming since 2003, and we've been organic since 2012. For Julaine, she was born and raised on a small beef farm, one she'd actually call more of a hobby farm, but fell in love with the dairy cows when she married her husband, who is now a sixth-generation dairy farmer. In 2003, my husband and two brothers bought a farm, a dairy farm, and over the years they expanded, and one brother ended up moving to Ontario to start farming there, and then in 2011, the two remaining brothers um, sold the farm we had, and we each purchased new farms. So that was in 2011. And we built a new barn here at the new place and we were just farming and things things were pretty tight to, to put it mildly. Um, it's a lot different when you're farming on your own. Um, if you split a herd in half, your costs don't split in half, put it that way. Things were, they were, things were fine, but we were looking for ways to, to increase our income or, or cut our costs or that sort of thing. And we were speaking to our feed rep, who is also a an organic dairy farmer, and he was saying, "Well, look, you guys are doing so many things organically already. We were pasturing our cows. We didn't have a very high um, grain percentage in our in our feed ration. Um, we had um, expansive barns. We had a lot of space for our cows. So he said, why don't you look at, at getting certified and then actually getting paid for what you're already doing that fits the standards already.'" 
So we looked into it and it really made sense for us financially. And the more we read the standards and um, talked to other farmers, we really realized that, yes, organic farming is kind of what we had been doing already anyways. And so we thought we'd just make that extra step and, and get certified. So, so Julianne, in talking organic versus regular milk, let's start with the differences. There's a bunch of small differences. There's a few more major ones. Um, obviously, the cows are fed organic feed. So our land here is organic. And any feed that we buy in, so we buy in all of our grain, actually, because our, our climate here isn't really conducive to grain farming. Um, so that all has to be organic as well. So the, on the grain side of things, um, it's about two times more expensive than conventional grain. Um, as far as uh, pasture, so in our area, very few people pasture. It's, um, we have um, land constrictions. There's not a lot of land available, so people try to crop it as much as they can just to get as much feed as they can off of it. So in our area, not many people pasture, but pasturing is required by the organic standards um, during the grazing season. So that means our cows are outside either day during the daytime or if it's too hot during the day at night, um, usually from April through October. A lot of people think there's a big difference with antibiotic usage in dairy cattle for organics, but it's not that different. Um, we are permitted, actually, of course, we must use antibiotics when it's warranted. If a cow is, has, is sick and needs antibiotics, we will treat her, of course. Um, the with milk withdrawal time, so the amount of time that the cow's milk is discarded uh, before it can um, be put back into the bulk tank and sent off to consumers, is twice as long as um, on a conventional farm, and twice as long or one month, whatever is longer. So it's a one-month minimum. And also each cow can only have two antibiotic treatments per year. If she needs a third one, she needs to go through a one-year transition before her milk will be considered organic again. So that this is kind of in place to ensure that you're keeping just the healthiest cows in your herd. If you have a cow that has chronic problems that's requiring a lot of antibiotic treatments, um, it's probably best to, for her to, to be called and to, keep a, to try to keep the herd healthy. Um, rather than relying on antibiotics to um, keep infection under control. Also on the production end of things, um, so the organic standards limit the amount of grain um, that can be fed to cows as well as prohibit the additive, uh, addition of certain substances um, that are not organic approved. So we are able to feed a maximum of 40% concentrate in the feed. Um, it's not that's not crazy low. I know there's farmers that feed a lot more and they have a much higher production because of that. Our cows production is usually around 25 liters per cow per day. Um, in our area there's cows that are pushing upwards of 50 or farms that are pushing upwards towards 50 now. So there's definitely a, a difference in production which also of course we're still feeding these cows and we still have the barn space for them so the, the costs are higher for those liters of course then. What about on the labor side? Do you find you're working more hours now that you're organic, less hours? Where is that? Uh, it's pretty similar. We are farming a lot more land now. We've managed to pick up um, a lot of rental land from the native band that's close to here, actually. So um, the cropping, of course, is, is taking up more time. Um, but that we would have tried to get more land anyways if we were conventional. So that doesn't really have to do with um, being organic. Um, the paperwork and record keeping, that is definitely a very big, takes up a good chunk of our winter. Actually, our, our certificate, recertification date comes up in March every year. So 
usually January and February, any spare time, we're compiling our, our records and um, filling out the paperwork for our recertification. I would put it probably upwards of 150 hours a year. Then what kind of records do you keep? Oh, it's exhaustive and exhausting, actually. Um, we keep records of when the cows are outside on pasture and what um, section of the pasture they're on, um, if they're in the barn, the reason they're in the barn. We keep all of the production records, of course, like most farms, um, cleaning records, all of our um, crop records. So anytime that we're doing anything in the field, we record what we're doing, where we're doing it, and at what volume or rate. Um, let me see here. Uh, all of our feed slips, our feed records, any um, calculations that our nutritionist does, um, all of our feed tests. Um, milk tests, basically any type of paper that comes onto the farm has to be organized and um, submitted to the certifying body every year. Okay, so there's more costs, there's more paperwork. Uh, what's the premium like? It's about 30 cents a litre. So about a yeah, 40% increase in, in the raw milk price that we get from the processors or through the milk board from the processors. So it's about 40% premium compared to your conventional neighbors who are producing the regular milk? That's correct. Um, sometimes we get paid less than the, the 30 cents um, per liter. If there is a lot of weekends in a month, sometimes the organic plants don't process on the weekends. So then um, we only get paid for the, the milk that actually goes to the organic processor. So if there's some, a, a load that has to go to um, conventional, we get paid the conventional price. So... Some months it's as low as 26 cents, um, but mostly it's getting around 29 right now. They're using a lot right now. So so you talked about double the price for grain, half the amount of milk compared to at least some other cows. Is 40% enough of a premium for you guys? Most of the time it is. Um, I think for more established farms, it, it definitely is. Uh, for us, of course, we when we switched to organic um our provincial milk marketing board was uh, really keen to start new organic producers. So they offered a um, incentive quota as well. So we got an extra 20% of quota when we switched to organic. And as a result of that, we actually had to um, add on to our, our barns. We had to build a new heifer barn for more space. So of course that came with increased costs as well. So it, it works definitely like the, the premium covers all of those extra costs and the, the payments for the, for the new barn. But it's not like we're rolling in it either. <laughs> now, here in Ontario, Jelaine, organic dairy farmers have to pay more to have their milk shipped as well to processors. All farmers usually pay under about three cents per litre, but for organic producers here in Ontario, they pay an extra six cents. Is that the case in BC too? Is getting your milk to an organic processor more expensive than what your conventional neighbours might be paying? No, actually, um, the the transportation costs are pooled between their conventional and organic producers. So it's the same across the board for conventional and organic. This was actually pretty surprising to me because it's an enormous difference from one end of the country to the other that all BC farmers pay about three and a half cents per litre to have their milk shipped from the farm to the processor. In Ontario, it is a bit lower for most farmers, but anything that requires segregation, like organic, like grass-fed, they're charged an extra six cents, making the total bill closer to nine cents per litre, at least according to the organization Dairy Farmers of Ontario that handles the logistics of moving all that milk.
Out of curiosity, I checked with other provinces. Of the ones I asked, Quebec was the only one not to respond with comment. Alberta doesn't charge extra for their organic farmers. Saskatchewan doesn't have any organic dairy farms. And Manitoba only has one that processes their own milk, making transportation a non-issue. So Ontario organic dairy farmers obviously have an even bigger cost associated with transporting milk, but for others, it isn't a worry in Canada. So that gets the milk to the door of the processor. All the extra costs of housing, feeding, and doing the paperwork to be an organic farm, even the cost of getting the milk to the processor's door is paid for by the farmer based on that 40% premium an organic farmer gets versus one that's producing regular milk. But going back to that premium, Julaine, at my local grocery store, organic milk sells for almost twice the price as regular milk. Is that the same for you in BC? Yeah, and then there's even some specialty milks um, that are more than that. Um, some of our milk gets, or I think it's most of our milk now, is getting shipped to a, um, it's called Happy Planet Creamery, and they um, process our milk and from one other farm, so it's quite traceable back to the farm, and it, they're sourcing it from our farm is um, Brown Swiss Crosses, and the other farm is Jersey, so from Heritage Breeds, they're calling it. And um, that, like their chocolate milk, uh, it's chocolate milk, but it sells for 9.99 for one and uh, for 750 mils. So one and a half liters of um, their cream top milk, which is full fat, not skimmed. Um, I think it's 8.99. So then, where is the rest of that premium going? That's the next piece of the puzzle, and one that's harder to find out. Of course, when I was looking for an organic farmer to talk to, Julaine was the first I asked, and of course, she said yes, which is wonderful. Processors, though, are a little harder. I checked in with seven across the country that are processing organic milk. All of them either didn't respond, declined to respond, or cited competitive reasons for not wanting to talk costs. Maybe fair, but it doesn't get us an answer to where the rest of that extra money is going. So instead, we checked in with Art Hill. Art is a professor and chair of food science at the University of Guelph with a special focus on dairy. Things like cheese processing, milk analysis, food safety in milk, and more. Art, we're talking organic versus regular milk. And before we get to costs, are there any differences between processing organic milk and regular milk? There really are no differences. There may be special considerations that, you know, organic consumers or organic uh, farmers would processors like processors to pay attention to. Um, basically at the processing level, perhaps the, the, the best word to describe it is consumers and organic farmers like to think that their products are minimally processed. So some of the concerns that consumers apply to all foods these days, some rational, some irrational, uh, around the types of processing, around genetically modified, around uh, it, certain ingredients and additives and so on. Those issues become more sensitive with organic, but in terms of, you know, do I need to have a special program to teach students how to process organic milk? No all the same. Uh, we're using all the same types of techniques. So then what about on the cost side? Are there higher costs for a processor who is looking after organic milk versus regular? Part of it is just the different logistics. Also, you're going to be processing at a much smaller scale. 
Parmalat is Parmalat is processing, you know, hundreds of liters per second. Uh, the little organic dairy here in Guelph, well, it's, it's it can't compete with that, right? So the processing becomes expensive. The logistics are more expensive. Uh, your farm is more costlier to run the the, the operations. Um, so yeah, there's there's costs at different levels. Also, if you do choose to reject some of the the uh, processing technologies, then you may also wind up with shorter shelf life, which is very expensive. Um, the longer your shelf life, the you know the fewer returns and the less waste and, and so on. Uh, and that's one area where, where dairy processing has made huge, just, you know, huge advances in the last 20 years. We're able to to pretty much routinely keep milk for three weeks, three four weeks. Um, creams even longer, and so all of that makes some differentiation, and it adds up. Now, Art mentioned a bit about retail, but for a deeper view, it's likely best to bring in Kevin Greer, a market analyst that focuses on grocers, meat, livestock, poultry, and among his many publications, he's got a grocery trade report and also does specific ones like his look five years ago when he wrote a report that looked at a lot of these niche areas, organic, free from, and others that fit into that premium space. Most of it looked at meat, but it didn't seem much different compared to milk. I found out uh, back then that um, it was more expensive uh, from the perspective of, uh, I think there was more, because it cost more, there was more, uh, I think there was more shrink, like losses that they had to deal with. I, I don't think that it that the amount of shelf space that they dedicated to it actually paid for itself. I think that in some respects they put it there because they felt there was a, a demand for like a, a very small demand for it, and they put it there in order to um, to kind of make themselves stand out a bit, like the whole concept of differentiation. Even though everybody does it, um, they 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 wanted to differentiate themselves by having these kind of products in the in their shelves. There was greater shrink because the turns were less, and there was uh, like I say the the, the, the didn't pay for its, for its shelf space. More segregation, sorting, uh, and uh, lacking that critical mass of, uh, of turns. So if we back up for a minute, turns is like turnover. How long from the time the grocer brings it in to it goes out the front door in your bag? A slower turn means that it's sitting on the shelf a little longer than one that's doing a faster turn in that grocery store. Shrink would be, be the, the losses. The losses. Um, you know, this, the product you have to throw away because it's past its date, that sort of thing. Why would these have more shrink, Kevin? They aren't going bad sooner, I'm assuming. So is that turnover slower and as a result, more of it's hitting its best before date on the shelf? Yep. Yep. There's a, there's a balance between the amount of shelf space you've got and um, the products and the, you know, Again, the different types of products that you have to put into the shelf space, and I, I don't think they felt it was paying for itself, but yet they felt they had to do it. Are they making a lot of money doing this? You're never going to see a grocer that says they're making a lot of money, right? But but when I did this, I talked to I talked to people that um, are actually doing it. You know, in other words, these people that I deal with a lot, and so they're not the PR type people. They're they're just people that uh, you know are actually doing the job 
And so I, I did not feel that I was being uh, misled. Um, so I, 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 you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is every grocer pleads, you know, poverty. Um, you know, you know, they're not making money. But I, I really don't think that this, the, these products were doing them any, uh, any, making them any money. So if they aren't making a lot of money, is it a case of grocers feel they have to carry these items? I, I think I think they felt that yes, like you say, there there would be less probably less customers. I, again, I, I think these are products now that you're just going to have. Yeah, I mean, they're everybody's got them. Uh, there is there is a niche for them, no question about it. Um, and it is it, it's, it's something that the grocer feels they've got to have on their shelves for their own image, their own um, like I say differentiation. Even though everybody's got it, it's like you know. It's like uh, the expression goes, today's niche is tomorrow's commodity, and um, these these things are becoming commoditized. They, but they, nevertheless, they feel they've got to have them. So then this was five years ago you talked to grocers on this. Have we moved from niche to commodity when it comes to organic and free-from labels, or will it always just be the cheapest that's the most popular for shoppers? Oh, that one's a good one. I, I don't know uh, at all. You know, I mean, uh, I don't... Con- think of myself as a consumer analyst, but I cannot see, I, I, I don't think it's grown a lot. I think that, there, again, there's a there's a set niche of consumers that want this. It's available now everywhere. I mean, I always get a kick out of the fact that Walmart has an organic section, which is kind of an anth- in, in synthesis of what, uh, you know, the, the organics people think of. So, no, I, I don't see it growing, um, but I see it's something that you've, it's part of the store now. So maybe it does remain as a niche, but given the outline from Julaine, Art, and Kevin, it would seem it's likely always going to be more expensive, whether it is a higher cost of producing that organic milk on the farm because of things like higher feed costs, lower milk production per cow, and even in some cases, higher transportation costs paid by farmers. Maybe it's the higher processing costs because of more segregation and lower volumes or the higher costs at the retail level because of slower turnover rates and therefore more having to be thrown out. Everyone in the chain seems to find it more expensive to get organic milk on the store shelf versus regular milk. Want to know more about where your food comes from in Canada? Farmfood360.ca gives you a 360-degree view of Canadian agriculture. There are dozens of videos featuring real Canadian farmers answering your questions about food, farming, and how it's all connected. You can even take virtual tours and see exactly what it's like to live and work on different Canadian farms. To learn more about Canadian agriculture, visit farmfood360.ca. Next time on Food Bubble, we head from Manitoba down to Trinidad and get a closer look at why workers from Caribbean countries come up to Canada to work on farms. Seasonal workers, as they're known, can be found in greenhouses, processing plants, vegetable fields and more, usually doing work that employers have had a hard time finding good workers closer to home. So does it work? And why leave home for months at a time to come north? Those answers next week on Food Bubble. Food Bubble is produced by Jess Campbell, Jess Nicholson, and Ashley Ferrero. If you're listening to this on our website, thefreshair.ca, or on our streaming platform, anchor.fm, you can always open Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or even a dozen other podcasting apps, and subscribe to Food Bubble by just searching for it. When you do that, you'll automatically get a new episode every time we add one. While you're there, we'd love a rating or review as well. 
Those help tremendously to make sure more people interested in food, farms, or businesses can easily find us too. I'm Andrew Campbell. Thanks for listening.